Welcome to Unit 4.2, Goblets of Luke. Now today, we'll be looking at Luke 5.5, Luke 7.8, and Luke 7.12. As usual, I want you to keep in mind as we are handling the goblets, the first thing I expect you to already do is to have read throughout the whole Gospel of Luke, and which means you have understood its context, understood its Theme, understood this general idea, understood why the author wrote it and what he did. So let us begin straight and remember, I want you to first read it by yourself and quickly write down the points of interest and see whether you get the same points as me. Let's go! Now, Luke 5 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Now the context of this is where there was the miraculous haul of fish prior to the call of the first disciples. In Luke, it was the start of Jesus' ministry. It was at the lake of Gennesaret. Okay, so immediately, we just need to know Simon here is Simon Peter. So it can be known as Peter as well when you write in your test paper. Now take note that Peter here, it indicates that he is a fisherman. And he should be skillful at his job. And when we read, Master, we have taught all night and took nothing, it's almost as, uh, it was like a ridiculous thing uh, of what Jesus asked him. Now what Jesus asked him? Let down the nets. But the beauty here is he chose to obey at your word. So there is total obedience displayed even when things do not make sense. Take note that Peter also calls Jesus master. So it is not that he was being sarcastic trying to hint that Jesus does not know what he's saying. He's like, oh master, we talked all night. We took nothing but sure. I will throw down the nets. No, no, no. Calling him master means that he was showing a sign of respect. Also, it was an immediate response to action to let down the net. Now, what follows after, as the context suggests, was that they caught such a large number that their fish nets began to break. It was so filled with fish that the boats began to sink. Now, this reveals that Jesus is Lord over the sea and everything that is in it. Now, Simon's reaction is another thing that you need to remember when you read the whole context. We see Simon Peter starting to understand the work of Jesus. At this point, probably not knowing that he's a Messiah, but definitely acknowledging that God is working through Jesus, so much so that he fell down on his knees claiming that he was a sinful man. And then it ends with there is this beautiful analogy that comes in. Jesus tells them not to be afraid and that they will be fishes of men, and that if Jesus can cause the great catch of fish, Jesus can cause a great catch of men into his kingdom. Now next, Luke 7, 8, and I read, For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and uh, to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Short goblet. Now the context of this, this is part of uh, the story of Jesus healing the centurion's servant as he entered Capernaum. And this follows uh, just from Jesus' sermon on the plain in chapter 6. 
Now, for gobbets like this, we need to retell the story a bit, just a bit. Okay, this centurion is highly—he uh, highly valued his sick servant, and he heard of who Jesus is. Hence, approaching him to heal his servant. And when Jesus wanted to heal the servant, and he was on his way, the centurion sent people to tell him, "You know what? Uh, Jesus, don't need to trouble yourself or come." Uh, I do not deserve to have you under my roof. That's why it says uh, that is the level of respect and recognition this centurion has of Jesus. At the same time, what we see here is the centurion has some experience in authority. That's what he's claiming. It is at his word that things happen. So he too showed great faith in Jesus and asked him to just say the word. And that his servant would be healed. Now, if you read further in verse nine, Jesus says this: "I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel." Now, this is very important. We need to pause and take note of this reality. One, Jesus is emphasizing the importance to have faith in Him, and two, He states even in Israel. This foreshadows the entry of Gentiles or non-Jews into the kingdom of God. It shows that the good news is not just for the Jews. And Jesus commends this centurion, who is a Gentile, for such humble faith. Now, what is a centurion? During the New Testament era, a Roman centurion was a professional military officer commanding a platoon of troops called a century. Now. This could be anywhere from nearly one hundred to several hundred men. Soldiers were appointed as centurions by virtue of their bravery, loyalty, character, and prowess in battle. Centurions were held to high standards of conduct and were expected to fight on the front lines with their men. In fact, the centurions' designated place in formation was at the end of the very front row. As a result. Roman centurions were well paid and held in high esteem, and they experienced high rates of injury and death during war. The combination of wealth, power, and prestige made them influential in society. Lastly, this shows as an example that healing can be done from a distance, and it shows that Jesus' concern for Gentiles and Luke's interest in the Gentiles. Remember. Who was Luke writing to? Theophilus, another Gentile, and the final gobbet, Luke seven twelve. Let me read. As he drew near to the gate of the city, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. Context. It was the start of the account of the raising of the widow's son, following Jesus's entry into the town of Nain. Not sure whether I'm pronouncing it correctly, but guess what? This comes right after healing the centurion's servant. So, to add more gangholeness, just healing from afar. Now he's healing a dead person. With that, let me ask: Who is the he that drew near? When you see questions like this. You have to point out because the gobbet only shows one word, so you have to explain. The he refers to Jesus, law. Now, cool thing, ah,、uh, this story is only found in Luke. The city of Nain is mentioned only once in the Bible, but it was the site of one of Jesus's greatest miracles. 
Nain was a small village in Galilee. The word Nain means beauty or pleasantness. In Hebrew, Nain referred to green pastures or loveliness. Interesting, huh? So, when you read this passage, you know that there was some form of funeral procession that was going on. There was a large crowd following her. And the large crowd suggests that they were there as a support. Now, take note that the word widow was used too. Now, this reveals the desperate economic situation of the women. Because those days, men were the main breadwinner. Without a man, that there was no one then to care for her. As a widow, she had no prospect of any more children, and this was her only child. GG, right? So, Jesus' miracle of resurrection in the town of Nain was for the benefit of those present. But it also serves as a reminder to us all of his promise that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, the final point then is Jesus just had the Sermon of the Plain in chapter 6. And it speaks of how blessed it is for the poor if you read chapter 6. And out of compassion for the widow and her need, Jesus, Jesus then raises the son from death to life. Well, it was an awesome miracle, no doubt. It is death to life, man. It also shows Jesus' humanity and compassion for the widow's status and loss. These are some points that you need to point out. Uh, did you have any similar points when you write it down? I hope you had the same. But this is me signing off for Goblets of Luke. I'll see you in the next one. Ta-ta!